0: Welcome back to the program. Let's pray. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Lord our God, I thank you and praise you for all the ways that you love us and take care of us, that you bless us, that you accompany us, Lord, that you walk with us, and that you give us insight and wisdom. I thank you, Lord, for the community of faith, for the fellowship of faith, Lord, by which you also provide your wisdom and your guidance. Lord, I ask that you would give to each of those who are listening to me right now the grace to find uh, find a companion on the journey. Find those who can speak into their lives to support them and encourage them and help them be accountable to your call for their lives. Lord, we do love you. We ask you to bless us in Jesus' holy name. Amen. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen. I love that word, accompaniment. You're gonna hear that in the beginning of the interview with Matt Laughlin. And I'm gonna get to that interview in just a minute. Uh, My prayer, I meant it. I meant it. You are not meant to walk the path of faith alone. Sacred Heart Radio and in this program, my goal is to provide you with a degree of accompaniment, walking with you, so that you don't feel alone in some of the challenges that you face. Today in the program, you're going to get a little bit sort of get behind the curtains and see what are some of the principles and insights that underlie an approach to coaching to walking with people professionally in their lives or in their businesses to help them uh, fulfill God's plan and to do so authentically. So I know that you're going to be blessed by this interview. So let's, uh, without any further ado, dive right into the interview with Matt Lucklin. I want to welcome you all to the program, and uh, my guest today, Matt Lachlan. Thank you, Matt, for being with
1: me. Thank you, Tom, for having me.
0: I'm very excited about this conversation because of what you do. You're a life and business coach, and for 25 years, that was my tent making. Okay, so oh, you know in the scriptures, Saint Paul, yeah, of course, right? So he preached the gospel free of charge, and the way he did that was by oh, making tents. Yeah, yeah. And so when people would say to me, well, "What do you do for a living?" I'd say, "Well, I'm a tent maker." And uh, my tent making is, was coaching and consulting. And so the idea of life and business coaching was a a rich part of my own uh, experience in, in these last decades. And it's so fascinating because I find that the things that make someone a successful coach actually make them good at life make them good human beings yeah, yeah. Uh, so that, that's my that's my entry point Wonderful. basically i'm saying you're a good a good human being matt did you <laughs> catch that did I you did, get that I, did. I, I i
1: say more no no yes. i love it yeah i had no idea that you did a lot of business consulting in your past or, yeah, yeah that's fantastic mm-hmm. yeah.
0: so uh, today we're here to talk about all kinds of things so you're someone that is doing life and business coaching and yet you're a Catholic. And I'm very interested to hear about your faith, that journey of faith that mm. has emerged in you. And I know that there's a fascinating story there. And, and then how, how does faith inform coaching? But then in some ways, we're going to be giving some the folks that are listening some free coaching. Because yeah. a lot of folks listening yeah. are facing situations where mm. the principles and practices of, of life coaching and business coaching that we can get into. They're going to be very relevant. They're going to apply to the situations that some folks are, are facing right now. So, mm, mm, but let's let's start yeah. at the beginning. Let's sure. start at the beginning. So, you tell me a bit about your life, uh, and we're going to weave it right into faith.
1: Wonderful. Yeah. I uh, well, I grew up in Spokane, Washington. Uh, oldest of six kids, five sisters. Um, Blessed are you among. I know. Women. I know. Right. You've yeah. never. No
0: one's ever said that to you <laughs> no, before. No, they right?
1: haven't. No, but uh, <laughs> they shaped my life. I have to. I have to. Tit take my hat off to them. I remember one Christmas Eve, we're all just sitting around having drinking tea. And I was like, man, if I had five brothers, there's no way I would spend five hours drinking tea and talking. <laughs> and of course they were athletes and they had their masculine side, but um, yeah, I, my faith, I would say what really fired up my faith was my undergrad years at Carroll college, a little Catholic school in Montana and uh, father, Gene peoples, who's deceased now a the priest there. This idea of spiritual direction, I hadn't heard of it really or didn't understand it. But I ended up meeting with him throughout my undergraduate years every other week. And uh I remember one of his first things, like he evoked the scripture, be still and know, know I am God. And he he asked me to just be sit five minutes quietly in the morning. And I remember being, I was student body president, running all over the place with my head cut, off, you know, chicken with his head cut off. And I remember how much that demanded of me just to be still for five minutes prayerfully. Mm-hmm. And now I can't, it feels like an, an hour's not enough. And I want to retreat from my kids and my life and just stay there, you know? But um, I would say that's where, my faith really got the fan, the flame was fanned.
0: All right. But you said something that was sort of step function, big deal, yeah. which was, Hey, I'm here at college. And all of a sudden I'm meeting with the priest every other week in spiritual direction. Yeah. How does that happen? I mean, that's not a typical, he's not seeing 850 <sighs> no, young men. I,
1: yeah. That I can't explain. I transferred to Carol. Um, I met him. He had an office in the dorm and um, I, I mean, I love the Lord and I, I think he recognized something in me and I had an affinity to him. I took a religious ed course with him. I remember it was his history of the Catholic church. I'm recalling like the chalkboard and things. And it was just a very natural organic relationship. It wasn't advertised anywhere or that sort of thing. And he, we took a liking to one another. Nice. So, um,
0: well, then I'm going to put it on his side. He saw something in you, hmm. Uh, even if that was the capacity to benefit from a mm. spiritual director there needs to be a certain amount there yeah in the person who would say i'm going to walk with you in a spiritual direction relationship sure and he obviously saw a capacity in you to say in walking together this is going to be a blessing to you because mm. that's a use of his time too yeah so there's a yeah. pouring in that goes yeah. with that kind of relationship
1: yeah it was uh it was a mutually delightful relationship, but yeah. a mutual love and warmth.
0: I'm going to jump way ahead. Right yeah, now sure. you do life and business coaching. Have you drawn any, I don't know, insights, principles, practices from your spiritual direction relationship into how you see and walk with people as a coach?
1: I would say very much so. Um, and it's only to have the courage to make that utterance and, and, Reveal that about myself in recent years that I've been at ease about that or owning that quality. I want to be respectful too, because formally speaking, spiritual direction—I'm not formally a part of an order. I'm a Catholic layman, so mm-hmm. um, I don't claim any authority in that regard. But I most delight in working with clients who have a deep um, faith, and and you could tell it's dear to them that that a high priority is, is my life in alignment with the will of the Lord? And how can that guide my decisions and my, the confrontations? And, um, I find it incredibly rewarding and rich to have just to be in a space of that conversation. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and I was actually just thumbing through, uh, a book by Thomas Merton on spiritual direction the other day. And, uh, in, in, pre- in preparation for a talk I'm going to be giving later this month. And it was fascinating. I read this book like 15, 20 years ago when I was practicing psychotherapist. So originally I got a light, I was licensed professional counselor in Colorado and I had a private practice for several years. And, uh, that aspect of me that long wanted to be a priest or a monk, you know, I would read these things. And, and I took all these notes on the correlations Thomas Merton laid out on what spiritual direction is and isn't and quoting, uh, St. Augustine and various, various Catholic saints, um, and, uh, so I, anyway, of late, I've been re it's funny you asked me that because it's been on my mind.
0: That's you know? fascinating. So
1: Like, wow, this does very much apply to business coaching, believe it or not. Yeah. yeah. Well,
0: and, and one of the reasons I mentioned that is that all this coaching that I did, the principal model of coaching that I had came from spiritual direction because mm. of all my background. I spent a number of years in the seminary mm. where I had a spiritual director
1: sure, and
0: realized that there's an awful lot there that comes into play when you're walking with someone in yeah. a coaching relationship. Yeah, absolutely. So I found that super helpful and it was something that really wasn't that present when coaching emerged as a specific form of engagement, right? Yeah. There were trainers and consultants. Yeah. And then all of yeah. a sudden now you have coaches yeah. come in and that was different than some HR professional who's yeah. saying, I'm here to basically give you the way out the door.
1: Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. It, to date, there really isn't award word covers all the dimensions of of what happens Mm -hmm. in those conversations. Yeah. It's like, well, coaching, well, sort of consulting Well, sort of, you know? Yep. So
0: I like to use the word accompaniment. Mm. I walk with people Mm. now that's, that's become a big word in the Catholic world through Mm. Pope Francis. Has it? Yeah. He, he uses that quite a bit that as a disciple, missionary disciples were called Mm. to accompany people Mm. to go be with them where they're at and walk with them, accompany them. Yeah. I think he was listening to some of my early talks. That's awesome.
1: uh... (laughs) Let's hope so. Yeah. 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 By the way, you've got a great radio voice. Oh, thank you. Way better than mine. I love that. I've been told this, actually. That's
0: nice. I got a face for radio. You got a voice for radio. (laughs) That's good.
1: That's great.
0: Yeah. Actually, no, it's funny. There was a woman who came up to me. I mentioned, I don't know, I mentioned it in a talk somewhere or something like that. And she came up to me and she said, my background is in audio Mm. production. And she said that. Um, the voice that I don't like, she said, it's actually a very comforting voice. Um, and she was able to bring up something, some, some of the features of the voice that I always looked at as a negative. And she says, no, you have no idea that these are actually tremendous positives when they're heard. So, I, and that was so enlightening to me. I, and I say that because like a lot of folks right now that are either watching this interview or listening, sure, they might look at a part of their life and say, this is something that I feel bad about. Yeah. I don't like about myself. And I feel like it holds me back mm. when in fact, it's actually a gift. Yeah, It's something that yeah. God has given to them. And precisely at that point in their lives where they feel like this is a fail. Mm. No, no, no. It's actually a gift. Mm. It's going to help you advance. Mm. Is that something that you find in, in the folks that you're walking with either in uh, like life coaching and business coaching that they're looking at something as a detriment or as as a point of brokenness that they need to overcome when in fact, it's like, no, there's a gift here and you're missing it.
1: Oh, absolutely. I think one of the greatest inner pivots is that. That's a
0: great phrase, by the way, an yeah. inner pivot. What's yeah. an inner pivot? Yeah, I don't know. I'm going to cut I, you I'm off gonna, here. Yeah. I want to know what an inner pivot is. Uh,
1: well, I. An inner so an inner pivot I would i would say this is on the fly but just a phrase that came to me but um where you inwardly take on a new perspective and see your life and your whole situation in an expanded context such that what seemed like a burden now you're almost on your knees grateful to God for the opportunity to bear that burden mm-hmm. and there's the thing that's humbling about that as often as a coach as you know you could see it is it's like I evoke this often for people with children because, you know, we love our children and we see their innocent beauty and we could see that the way they're seeing themselves, let's say if they're an adolescent and they're so tormented about something and you could see as plain as day, it has no reality. <laughs> like they're not subject to that limitation. They're not really what they think that they are that themselves to be. Um, and despite telling them that or pointing out as plain as day, they have to discover it on, on their own. And there's a sort of grace to that. So it's very humbling as a coach I would say that is one of the most delightful pivots when people make that shift, and there's grace involved with that. It's like a grand recontextualization. Um, that they're Grand
0: not... recontextualization, yeah, Matt. I mean, you, I love these I phrases mean, you come up with. Of course, I'm going to steal me, yeah. them and make pretend they're mine. take them, man. Okay, yeah, this is good. Yeah. Hi, this is Dr. Tom Curran, and you know me as the host of Sound Insight. I am also letting folks know that. I'm talking with Matt Lachlan today. He is a life and business coach. He uh, works here in the Coeur d'Alene area, but your clients, I'm sure go beyond that in this That's whole right. new world that we're in. Sure. It's, you probably can serve folks through the internet as well.
1: I do. Yeah. I originally started my practice, my coaching practice. I stepped down, I owned a couple of magazines, stepped out of corporate leadership positions and just dove entirely into my private coaching business. Uh, but now people are discovering me and I have quite a number of remote clients. So nice. I was reluctant. I was like, I wanted it to be all in person. Cause I, but I might do something where I haven't set this up where if someone works with me remotely for six to 12 months, we have to meet at least once, mm-hmm. you know, there's something transmitted when you get to, to be with somebody. So,
0: yeah, it's an interesting thing that they're talking about a gift in the gifts have limits. The idea of remote mm. interacting yeah. right, is uh, there, there is something missing in personal presence. Yeah, right. There is something that's missing, whether it's body cues and all yeah, that, yeah. or just the richness of what's communicated when you're in someone's presence
1: yeah. compared yeah.
0: to uh, there's a degree of flatness, no matter how well something's produced yeah. when it's, when it's done over the internet, even with the wonderful it's tools. almost that we like
1: uh, to jump up to a totally different type, like the power of relics, like to be in the presence of a relic in the Catholic faith something's transmitted yes. <laughs> you, know, you know if you're 800 miles away you just don't quite sense it but if you're in the room or next to the tomb mm-hmm. you sense it
0: yes you know? So. I uh, One of the ways that uh, I've taken inspiration from the internet uh, is, or towards the internet, how to see it and relate to it, mm. is St. John Paul II. Mm. Back in 2002 and 2003, for the World Day of Communications, I'm sure you know exactly what I'm talking about, right? The popes put out messages for different days, and yeah. this is one of them. Those two years, he focused on the internet, and he raised up a vision. He said the internet should be a place where the face and light of Christ Should shine forth. Mm. And uh, that was so inspiring to me. I began to like, okay, what does that mean? The face of Christ shining forth. Mm. What does that mean that you can somehow on the internet have an interaction that's so real? that you sense that i'm looking at you yeah right yeah it's a and it's more than a technique it's more than a technique of saying okay when you're interacting with someone on video look into the camera rather than at the screen sure. so that they'll actually think they're looking at you sure uh there's something richer than that and yeah. i don't think i've plumbed the depths of it but that vision that that's an exalted ideal to have that sense of the face and light of christ
1: you know it it reminds me of um I think it's a function of what we are. It's a, this is something I've been thinking about of late, like the faith demands us to be and become that which we, we value. And I, I, a phrase that when, when Mary in scripture says, my soul magnifies the Lord, mm-hmm. I've just kind of been being with that lately. And like, um, it's, it's a profound statement that that my soul has a capacity to magnify the Lord. There's a, so what is it? And when the analogy that came to my mind recently was that of like a mirror or glass, like if you, if you were next to the sunshine and you had a muddy mirror, no matter how much you move that mirror around, you can't quite see the sun reflect back to you. Mm -hmm. But if you do your inner work, you're on spiritual purification, you let go of your shortcomings and quietly you become more and more holy. Mm -hmm. Your mirror is going to be clear and clear and you're going to magnify that light. Um, so I think, yeah, I, I'm not surprised at all. Pope John Paul said that.
0: So you've you've just touched upon the Catholic theology of growth and holiness, whether or not you realize it. Mm, Matt.
1: yeah, I did not. <laughs> uh,
0: it's it's captured in a term, ablatio. Ablatio mm. is Saint Bonaventure, and mm. ablatio means the process of removal. Mm. That growing in holiness is less about becoming what you're not, and more about removing what's hiding who you already are. Yeah. So you are that mirror. Yeah. But there are yeah. things that are hiding the mirror-like capacity. Yeah, And if we can only wash that mirror clean, then we'll discover who we already are mm. and who are
1: meant to be. Mm. Beautiful. not powerful? Oh, it's so powerful.
0: Yeah. yeah. I didn't yeah. make that up. No, right? that's yeah.
1: beautiful. It's, uh, I'm going to, which saint was that? St. Bonaventure. I'm he was the yeah.
0: seventh uh, minister general in the Franciscan order. Mm. And he was really born for his time. Mm. Great theologian. He uh, is a doctor of the church, and he was assigned a position to teach at the University of Paris in the same document that assigned St. Thomas Aquinas mm. a teaching role at the University mm. of Paris. Can you imagine going to lectures at the University of Paris in no. 1257 no. and having two doctors of the church it's giving incredible. lectures? Isn't that amazing?
1: Yeah, it's hard to, yeah, it's hard to, I wonder if there's someone like that among us that we can't quite appreciate or see, Yeah, you know, so... Yeah, no, um, that reminds me in the East, I think it's like the path of renunciation, mm-hmm. you know, to to identify the limitation, the falsehood and renounce it, you know. Yes. It reminds me of that.
0: Yeah, you're uh, getting me going down all these theological yeah. paths right now, Matt. I'm thinking <laughs> sure, about sure. them all. I'm talking about Matt Lachlan today uh, on the program. And uh, Matt is actually going to be speaking at a CDA collaborative. Is It's a Coeur d'Alene. Cor uh, here in I say Washington, Idaho. yeah Cortland, Idaho, there's a, a collaborative event, an event bringing together folks who are in the area, folks who are new to the area, folks who have uh, are in business or looking to make connections, um, but have a common connection in faith as well to be able to fellowship, have some uh, time to, to receive some good teaching, and then to interact together. Mm. And uh, the first kickoff event is happening on Friday, October 21st. Begins at 6, time to, to socialize, meet some folks, 7 o'clock, you'll be giving a talk. And then afterwards, there'll be some more socializing time. And that's happening in Coeur d'Alene. And uh, you can find out more information about that, and we're going to learn more about it by going to coreoperations.com, core as in Coeur d'Alene, C O E U R coreoperations.com, core operations.com And there you'll get a link to register for this event. Are you excited to be at the event?
1: I am. Yeah. 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 The, uh, the Colleen Colobo, a local business owner here had this inspiration. So I was delighted to accept the invitation to speak. And here in Coeur d'Alene, there's quite a dynamic group of, uh, faithful professionals, and mm-hmm. and it's, it just sounds fun. I'm a little nervous, you know. When you're, it's humbling to be asked to speak on faith matters. It it just gets you very humble. Yeah, you know, the more you get into it, and uh, but I'm very much looking forward to it.
0: So that's an interesting question, and and a lot of folks here, I have found in the last five years, have come to me with questions. These are folks that are in the business world, mm. and they're trying to navigate. The way that faith meets life, Mm. especially in the business world, especially when there are policies being implemented that run up against deeply held religious beliefs. And there's a question about whether or how I can live my faith authentically without compromising my faith in the workplace. Mm. And this is something that I've always navigated because while I was doing consulting and coaching work for all these you know, 25 years, I was also on the radio and was also very visible in the, in the world of faith. That was my principal work. Remember yeah. this was my yeah. tent making. Yeah. Okay. So the, what's the first thing an executive is going to do, or some, you know, some professionals going to do when they hear that some guy's going to talk, they're going to Google him, look them yeah. up. And they look me up and all of a sudden they're like, Hey, wait a minute. This is a Jesus guy. Yeah. What's he doing here? Talking to us about leadership development or whatever, some theme. Yeah. And it was so interesting how many times after my talks, and I wouldn't mention Jesus during the talks, I would be doing my, my own teaching that was fitting for that context. Yeah. They'd come up to me afterwards and they'd say, I know your background. Like somehow it's a secret thing, like yeah, kind of pull me aside, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, And, or they would say, I could see the way that those principles and practices you put out there are traced back to your faith. Mm. And it really resonated with me. Mm. Is that something that you find is a, um, a, a common theme? So when you're doing life coaching and business coaching, um, the folks that you're engaged with, how often are you either drawing principles and practices that are connected to your faith or just outwardly, the folks that you're serving, they bring their faith out onto the table.
1: Yeah. You know, I was, I was listening to your question from the macro kind of, political level, like culturally, when things are put in place and where your faith and business intersect, where you have to kind of take a stand or not. Um, and then personally, um, it's funny you asked that. I even, even this talk, for instance, I, I have a lot of local clientele and generally I abide by the principle attraction versus promote promotion, like be that, which you value. You don't need to talk about it, so to speak. Um, but then recently I've just been discerning like even on a social media handle to put I don't know, Catholic revert to out myself. and i I had this uh, physician I follow, a very popular physician who talks about kind of longevity, optimizing your health, that kind of thing. He messaged me out of the blue from St Paul, Minnesota, delighted to talk to me because he's a very devout Catholic and just from putting like little Catholic revert in my handle, so it's all a mysterious thing. And I where I've decided to fall is like, uh, That St. Francis de Sales quote, um, be who you are and be it well, so that you're, I think the the following sentence, so that's a statement that always struck out to me, but it's so that your master, so that the master craftsman may delight in what you are or something to that effect, but be who you are and be it well. And in truth, when I'm one-on-one with a client, I'm completely myself. I work with LDS, atheists, Christians, Catholics, and they never detect that I'm trying to control them or make them see the world in a particular way it's never been an actual problem so it Mm -hmm. occurred to me like well i'll just be myself on a macro and because in the end it brings up fear of survival and i'm going to be impoverished and no one will hire me (laughs) you know all those personal interests and and uh, and where i've come lately is just uh, to not apologize for what i am but not try to um i have and People I work with detect this. I know no way try to get them to see the world the way I do politically or religiously. You know, so. Yeah.
0: so Matt is here. If you're just listening on the radio, Matt's like, why is Tom pulling out his smartphone yeah. and looking at something while yeah. here? Um, my daughter sent me this quote this morning and I'm going to read it to you and I want sure. you to re- re- react to it wonderful. based on what I just shared. Yeah, okay. So it's a it's a pretty cool quote. So now you know, you have to at least say it was pretty cool. Yeah. yeah. Since, I, <laughs> <Okay>. since <laughs> if, if the host says that, if, you kind of have so to too. agree. Okay. As God has distributed to every man, as the Lord has called everyone, so let him walk. That was the quote from scripture. Mm. And now here's the reflection. No one can do better with his life than that. No one can put it to a better use. Any life must be perfect in proportion as it does what it was made to do. There are many lives that are brilliant failures. They strive after many things that they were never intended to do and fail in that one thing. It seems strange that a reasonable being should never ask himself while he was put on earth or that it should not occur to him that the reason must be found in the will of his creator. Mm. At the end of the day of our earthly life, we have no answer to our maker, whether we have been employed about our own work or about his. Mm. We have to answer to our maker, whether we've been employed about our own work or about his, Mm. whether we have even made an effort to find out what he would have us do. A life that is inspired by such a motive is sure to be a success. For of this, we may be absolutely certain that each of us can fulfill in our life that for which we were created. Mm. We cannot be sure that we have the gifts needed for any other purpose for God in creating us equipped us for the work for which he created us. We have every gift of nature and of grace of mind and body that is needed for this work.
1: Mm. That's beautiful. Yep, profound. Uh, profound. Better than very cool. No, it's more than it's actually perfect synchronicity. I uh the talk I'm giving for Coraline Collaborative on October 21st here in Coraline, Uh, I titled it Four Modes of Being Our Faith Demands of Us. And um one of them has to center centers around aligning one's life with the will of God. And I'm a huge Meister Eckhart fan. I've read all of his collected works and um and he's got this, there's this little fragment of his works. Uh, where he says something to this effect, which is, if you know in your heart of hearts above all else, that you are aligned and seeking the will of God above all else, then you can trust your personal inclination, inclinations, your personal bent and how you appear to be guided, like Mm -hmm. trust it. And that, that came to mind and hearing that, like we're, we're um, one mode of being I'll be speaking on is, um, you, to we must align our life to the degree we're, we're able through discernment and prayer with the will of God, mm-hmm. the best we can discern that. Yeah. And, um, no, I love that. That's beautiful. It's timely.
0: I'll send you the quote. Yeah, You can, do. you can use it yeah. and say, I found this. Deep yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm taking
1: notes already. I'm like, <laughs> who was that saying? Okay. Send me that one. So,
0: yeah, well, wonderful. that's a uh, St. Alphonsus de Ligori. Mm-hmm. had said something very mm-hmm. similar to my Eckhart. He yeah. said, in the major decisions of life, God will not let you be deceived.
1: Mm, I, I, I think you can trust that deeply.
0: Yeah.
1: Oh, absolutely. If you earnestly go humbly.
0: Yes. And St. Um, Augustine,
1: what more love God and do, do what, what you, you will, will yeah. right? Because if
0: you really love God, that means there's a union of wills. And yes. what you will truly deeply desire is what God desires for you. Yeah.
1: Yeah. You are his instrument. Yes. yes.
0: Do you want another one? This is an Aquinas one. Yeah, line. I would love it. Yeah, He said he said this uh, in De Potencia Dei. God does not will that you will what he wills. God wills that you will what he wills you to will.
1: Mm. <laughs> well, <that's laughs> it's, beautiful. A it's a tongue twister. Well, it's a one in being. It's a We're not a separate floating entity apart from him.
0: Right, and we're not infinite. So yeah. God does mm. not will that you will what he wills. He's infinite. You're finite. Yeah. Yeah. But God does will that you will what he wills you to will. Mm. In other words, God does have a personal, mm. perfect mm. will for your life that he's willing you to say yes to, 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 to be determined. with. And yes,
1: to, um, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Open oneself too. Yeah. 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 Beautiful, me? yeah.
0: Hey, this is Dr. Tom Curran, the host of Sound Insight, but also a realtor serving wonderful folks like you in I'm talking with uh, Matt Lachlan today. Matt is a life and business coach, a Catholic here in the in Coeur d'Alene. And interviewing Matt, uh, I saw you, Matt, at the convocation for Court of Christ. Yes, which was neat to be with you at yeah, that event.
1: Yeah, wonderful. Yeah, yeah.
0: and uh, so you have kiddos. Yeah, and do you have? Do you have, uh, is your oldest at Court of Christ or no, on the way? He's, uh,
1: no, he's nine. He just turned nine. Oh, um, so you're
0: just planning ahead. Yeah, we. Yeah, uh, nice. I got a late
1: start. It was kind of having kids was part of my. Catholic revert story. Like, I, we have four boys. Thank God. Um, Wait a minute.
0: You're, you're yeah. the first of six with five girls. Now yeah. the next generation, yeah, all boys. I How know. does that my happen? My
1: joke is God felt sorry for me. He's <laughs> <laughs> like, all right, you want boys? Here you go. When my fifth sister was born, I remember just crying <laughs> at the hospital, yeah. like a young kid. Well, you were
0: 16. I mean, yeah, come right.
1: on. Yeah, right. <laughs> no, right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, yeah. So we have four children. Yeah. Nine, uh, six, three, and a baby. So Nice. Yeah.
0: Carrie, my wife, said that four kids is when she was crushed Mm. because she wanted to do it all. Mm. She wanted, she had that vision that was like promoted to her that said, you can do it all, you can have it all. And then by the time the fourth one came, it was just like crushed (laughs) because you're completely outnumbered at that point. Yeah,
1: you're just, uh, you get more and more progressively humble. You just do the best you can.
0: But I think that's an important, like, again, talk about some of the things you've been mentioning in yeah. terms of like life coaching and business coaching, that sense of saying, you know what, there could be a false identity in there, right? Mm-hmm. This beautiful mm-hmm. quote, it was all about, don't fall into a false identity, Yeah. but you were made to do, and you're given the gifts and graces mm-hmm. to fulfill a certain call and plan and path. Mm-hmm. So discern that and live that. Mm-hmm. And for Kerry, the four kids was, discover the gift of being a mother, Mm. discover the gift of sinking more deeply into being a mother. Mm. And that, you know, you can change the world one diaper at a time, right? Ha ha ha. But no, there's something very profound about the way in which you can discover and live with tremendous fulfillment, the transformative influence that you have on someone's life through that identity mother. It's not just a role, it's something deeper Mm. that goes to the core of who you are.
1: Mm. Mm. Absolutely. It's, uh, you know, you evoke the word identity, identifications, and that seems to be central to, again, going back to you can only take away. Mm -hmm. Um, When you're, I really feel like more confidently as a coach, when people are living their identity, they actually don't think of themselves much. They're not like the more you're, uh, the more attached you are to a particular identity. And life throws you a curve ball, or there's friction. There's a lot of tension there. But when you're being what you are fully, naturally, mm-hmm. as a mother is being the full fulfillment of that, there's very little friction there. There's, um,
0: But, you know, for guys, and, and this, I'm not saying only for guys, yeah. but I think guys who are like roll up the sleeves and battle in the world. Yeah, There is the up and to the left or no, up and to the right, up and to the right mentality mm-hmm. that says next year has to be more, bigger, better. Absolutely, yeah. And it can become so such a temptation to say, I've got to outdo the other guy and, or outdo the, those that I'm seeing myself in competition with. Mm. And that I think is one of those situations. Again, It can lead us to a false identity. Absolutely. Rather than this quote, which is, "No, no, no, go deeper into what your actual call is, Mm. and what endures Mm. is sanctity, holiness, Mm. virtue, Mm. character. Those are the things Mm. that cross the goal line of death. Mm. There you go. The goal line of death. What we're going to when we cross that goal line of death, all the stuff, the house, the retirement account." that all that stuff stays behind what we carry into eternity is our holiness Mm. is the 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 depth of our union with god Mm -hmm. and that's what endures forever Mm. i don't think we have that perspective enough
1: Mm. no certainly it um yeah you know there i when that becomes a guiding light i think going back to the coaching or working with people in a context like that when they're continually brought back to these questions okay what do i actually value most what is truly most dear to me what is the highest function of my life it sets those sorts of sub-tier questions like the expressions of that oh well this season i, I own this business and i'm running this and running that mm-hmm. it, it kind of casts a guiding light through all those things yeah and i don't think you can really navigate powerfully it, there may be a season when the lord calls a man like let's say in his late fifties to be very prolific in the business world and to be very fruitful. Mm -hmm. Um, But there's, that's not an identity crisis if it's rooted in discernment and it, and it's nested in the totality of what he values most. And,
0: Nested in the totality. Man, <laughs> man, this is so awesome.
1: I, this is so cool. I hope I'm not being too uh, I
0: love too it. <laughs> you're being very articulate. I, I think it's really awesome. That's yeah. Matt Lachlan again talking with me today. If you're watching this uh, on video, folks, if you're only listening to this on audio, you're missing out on the opportunity to see Matt and our interaction, which you can find on our YouTube channel, uh, My Catholic Faith TV. You can go there and you can enjoy this video as well as we post it on our Facebook page. I love My Catholic Faith with Dr. Tom Curran. Uh, and also the podcast, if you're not signed up for it, Dr. Tom Curran podcast, so you can find that on Apple Podcasts. So Matt, um, as you are navigating this reality, you've got four kids, you are attempting to have a difference in the, in the world today as a, as a coach, life coach, business coach, what are you noticing in this moment that kind of pops out? Like we've gone through a lot in the world in the mm-hmm. last few years that just not typical. Mm. You could be involved in the business world for 30 years. And the last couple of years have just been so mm. extraordinary. Mm. There's a lot of dislodging. Mm. There's a lot of shedding of mm. things that were considered normal. Sure. How has that impacted the kind of themes that you're addressing in your coaching or that you're just seeing in your life?
1: I think, you know, from my perspective, these, these last couple of years, um, It's really illuminated in a deep way how essential it is to um, get clear about what one values and to what degree their life is an expression or aligned with that. Mm -hmm. And people are making cross-country moves. Um, You know, it's actually been an incredibly fruit-filled, joyful couple of years for me. Mm -hmm. I've, I've certainly felt indignation at what I see going on in the world, and I have strong positions about many of these things. Um, But what I've found is that, um, is that in a way people are coalescing. uh, They're not, you know, this, this life is ephemeral and we could fritter away our time and distractions and amusements and just non-essential things. And I think a true sign of maturity and health is like discerning what is actually essential and what's non-essential and the degree to which you can let go of the non-essential and can progressively shape your life in a way that's much more in accord with truth, goodness, and beauty. So I've delighted in the people I've met these last couple of years that, that have only come across my path by virtue of them making a courageous move in their personal life. Mm-hmm. Um,
0: all right. I'm going to ask you uh, the hard question. <clears throat> sure. You're going to hold up the mirror to yeah. you. So when I think about something that was essential in Carrie in my life with mm. all of our kiddos mm. that we realized, you know what, it's not as essential as we think it is. and We need to dial that back and get it in a better place with sports. Yeah. So our kids involved in sports at one level and realizing that, wait a minute, this is not worth what it costs. Yeah. Okay. In your life in the last couple of years, has there been a new enlightenment, a new sense for you and your wife regarding, you know what, this is essential and we're not giving it enough time and attention. Well, we've made this essential and we need to dial it back because it's not as important as we've made it to be.
1: Hmm. Two, two, two thoughts come to my mind. One, I want to offer, I want to pick your brain on the sports thing because that's sure. a discernment with young children and. Uh, you're always, there's no perfect solution. And I want to balance the whole. Oh no, no. We've trade-offs. got the perfect solution. Yeah. You say so. <laughs> so um, <clears throat> I do think they're overemphasized in today's world. I actually just Twittered this. I had a dream of Padre Pio about eight years ago. He appeared in a dream, holding up the Eucharist, standing outside a football stadium. And at that time I had been watching sports a bit too much on ESPN or I actually don't, I haven't watched TV for years, but even just paying attention to the, and it was just a wonderful dream to kind of reset what's most important. But yeah, to me, these last two years, the biggest personal confrontation, frankly, our values are on board. I would feel I, I can confidently and honestly say, I feel like my life the last three years has been an expression of what I value mm-hmm. where it collided was, um, interpersonal relationships and, uh, you know, family members or friends who, um, whose, whose position word or way of being is not in accord with, um. Uh, even little things with the whole vaccination thing and COVID. um, I was, I'm not going to mask my kids or vaccinate my kids. There's no way on God's green earth, you know, in that, in that context. And so I had to uh, let go of approval or like, you know, that may have brought up some friction. Um, You know, even with parents, I love my parents. They're not going to be listening to this. I love my parents. God bless them. (laughs) So it's like that whole balance of honor your parents, but at the same time, Um, be true to yourself, you know? So I would say the biggest challenge for us the last couple of years has been um, also to let go of the temptation of the righteous moral indignation or prideful wasting of time of juicing the position you have. And can you believe they, even that I think is a major spiritual error. Like you may be in the right, but if you waste 45 minutes of your evening with your wife bickering about someone in the wrong, you're, you're, you're in the wrong. So um it's been a big growth year to allow people I love to disagree with me, to firmly hold a line and then not to dwell on it, mm-hmm. to love them and uh, maybe not see them as frequently because of the consequences. Um, and then to grow in um, letting people live their life, live and let live, not not to get caught up into that righteous indignation, a spiritual trap, a pride. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Those are some things that come to my mind. I don't know if that's what you're. Oh, no, those at, are yeah. great.
0: Well, there was, I didn't yeah. know how you'd yeah, answer sure. it. But I like what you said because I think that that's one of the challenges that uh, people involved in business face. Hmm. If they're offering professional services or whatever services, or they're welcoming in yeah. customers, the kinds of things that you just said, being able to navigate well interpersonal conversations in a, in a life and business setting
1: Absolutely, is a
0: really big deal. Oh yeah. So that's my lead in to say, you're yeah. going to be actually giving a talk in a couple of weeks sure. at uh, the CDA, uh, Collaborative, the CDA collaborative on October the 21st begins at six o'clock. You talk at seven time for fellowship before and afterwards. And folks, if you want to be able to hear Matt and um, uh, register for the event, you can go to core operations, cores and Coeur C-O-E-U-R, core operations.com. There is a registration fee. You can sign up for that. And you'll be able to be with a bunch of other like-minded folks. They love the Lord. They love their faith. And they are also trying to do a good job in the world Do a, mm-hmm. to do good in this world. And to hear you talk about did you say four modes of
1: four modes of being four modes that of our being. faith
0: demands of us nice yeah. I, I think and that's a
1: verbose a, statement <laughs>
0: I know these are great titles i love this <clears throat> this is really awesome so matt let's uh we have uh, just a few more minutes but let's sure. let's kind of dive in did you want to talk about sports you mentioned that as a pick oh, my no, brain I, uh, or we can go down another trail Yeah,
1: we could we could pass over sports it's not okay. a deep deep question
0: well yeah. here's the thing i want to say this and this is relevant to what you just shared and that is In the world of business, especially if you're serving other companies, you shouldn't always expect to be accepted. Mm. I find that I mentioned to you, this is now years ago, I'm speaking at a very prominent sort of fortune 50 company, Mm. speaking to a very high level set of executives. So the senior executives and the next level down uh, at an off site. So I'm gonna be there for a day, giving all these presentations and walking them through stuff. Mm. Uh, there was someone who went to the chief human resources officer. It was her event and said, I protest having this guy speak because of his background and faith. Sure. Do you know who it was? It was the person in charge of diversity and inclusion.
1: Oh yeah. Of course. Of <laughs> course. <laughs> How ironic. I
0: want you to hear that. Right. <clears throat> yeah. Nobody else. Yeah. But the person in charge, the person whose call it was to mm. ensure and protect, diversity yeah. and inclusion
1: yeah.
0: in the organization was yeah. saying, I object to this person I mean, I speaking. Yeah, will exclude you. I yeah. will, you're not included. We are not so diverse. Mm. Well, thanks be to God, the chief human resources officer was smart enough to say, you have to widen your meaning of diversity and inclusion mm. to include this person <clears> as <throat> well. And at the end of the first talk, um, this woman came up to me and said, Thank you. That was a really good talk. And the funny thing was, she had no idea that the entire talk was rooted in my Catholic faith oh, and wonderful. Catholic vision of life. Sure, I just talked about what it meant to be a person yeah. and a person operating in the world. Yeah, And she was very moved by it. Mm. She was ready to be <clears throat> offended, ready to stand up and point the finger and instead was really taken aback. Yeah. So I, I take a couple of lessons from that. One is don't be afraid to be a witness to your faith, Sure. but don't also just think that you can go in like a sledgehammer, mm. but you have to be innocent as a dove, but mm. wise as a serpent. Sure. Right. So being able to speak in a way that they can hear, yeah. they can receive even those that would want to say you're my enemy to say, I dare you to make me your enemy when this is the truth I'm bringing to you.
1: Mm. Mm. That's beautiful. It reminds me of, a uh... You know, I had a, a mentor, a psychiatrist mentor. He, he once said when I was a at, how did you feel
0: about that? That was a joke. And
1: uh, <laughs> and, uh, um, but yeah, he's like, you know, you can bring spiritual principles into business. Just don't call them spiritually. You know, mm-hmm. in most cases you have to be sensitive to the context and the audience. And, um, but at the same time, there's times when you have to stand for truth without apology and without an emotional investment on how it lands. And yes, um, yeah, I can respect that.
0: And I think that's a lot of what folks, so we're here talking now, if you're, if you're a business owner or even you're just a, uh, a mom or a dad and, and you've got kids on a soccer team mm. and this is a public soccer team, mm. not everyone's going to agree with you on that sideline and you have to let that be okay. Mm. But that doesn't also mean you just get stepped on. Yeah. I think that this is where we as, uh, we who live in this moment have to make a decision are we Americans who happen to be Catholic or Catholics who happen to be American? Mm. And if, our, if we land on our deepest identity is found in our relationship with God through faith, faith in Christ, faith as a Catholic Christian disciple of Jesus, then we bring that to bear on our Americanism, mm. on our being American in a way that says, no, we're, we are going to be a gift to America by being fully Catholic. Yeah. and not by letting you attempt to shut down that dimension of our lives and we're moved, we have definitely moved more fully into a moment when you sometimes have to make a choice yeah mainstream absolutely. america is saying this but if you say if you go along with that if you just float downstream with that you'll end up betraying the faith not just in belief but in life yeah because truths <clears throat> ideas have consequences Really devastating, dark, broken consequences if yeah. we let lies uh, go unchecked or unchallenged. I think
1: you know one of the greatest vulnerabilities in the in the psyche of people in this context and in, in our collective psyche, you could say, is confusing um, compassion with accommodation or or passivity with lovingness. Well,
0: like, I like that confusing uh, compassion with accommodation. <clears throat> let's let's hear some more.
1: Yeah, you know the I think people who don't have, haven't, um, they'll, they'll accommodating a false idea or a falsehood, um, out of a seeming compassion. I don't want to hurt their feelings. I want this person to feel accepted is a great vulnerability. I think it's one of our biggest, you might say, spiritual chinks as Americans. Um, so the upside to it is there's an intrinsic impulse to be caring. And uh, considerate of other people's feelings. The downside is an undeveloped intellect or wit- an absence of wisdom. Mm-hmm. So, people, you see this in personal family relationships, alcohol, you could use any sort of addiction or traumatic something happening in a family system where parents unwittingly, out of love, they think are accommodating something that's very dark and devastating. Um, and so, I have, a, I have a real heart for it. I don't judge it. Uh, but Sometimes the most loving thing, it's kind of the joke in like 12-step AA communities, like, Oh, you love your alcoholic son? We'll give him a case of whiskey and check him out of a hotel room. <laughs> Let him hit so hard that he turns to God and reforms his life. Why are you why are you so you could apply that distinction? I think politically on the political front, we're doing that. You know, we can go on and on, but we're where as a country we're pass, we're accommodating things that can lead to destruction in the name of compassion.
0: Yeah, I love it. i got several things that in response. First, Bonaventure, you love Bonaventure. Yeah. He wrote to the superior generals of the Franciscan order when he was in charge. And he said that the, the the deepest measure of your leadership over your community is not measured by what they do, but it's by what you permit. Mm. So what are you permitting them to do? That measures the quality and depth of your leadership. Mm -hmm. Second, I had a daughter who was going off the rails and we needed to put boundaries up. And it was was a battle. We went through hell. And one of the things she wrote, she wrote a letter to us it under our door in the midst of a battle we were having with her. And in it, she said, thank you for loving me enough to mm. not let me get away with what you know is not good for me. Mm. Thank you for loving me enough to not let me get away with what you know is not good for me. Yeah, And that's where, is it accommodation or is it cowardice? Yeah.
1: Am yeah. I just
0: not strong enough to mm. stand up and speak in and hold the line? And I think that we Americans are so used to being comfortable
1: mm.
0: that we give lots of room for people to live their own life. Yeah. You know, we don't want to hurt their feelings. Yeah, yeah. But if the house is on fire or if the boat is sinking,
1: yeah.
0: I I can't be comfortable and just have a dialogue. I've got to grab you and say, "Get Absolutely. out of the house, it's on fire." Absolutely. You are going to die. Yeah. You have got to get into a lifeboat. And uh, that's been I think one of the hardest changes that I've had to face in my mm-hmm. life mm-hmm. in the last 4 or 5 years is that I've embraced a house is on fire, you're on the Titanic and it's sinking mentality. Yeah. In some of the messages that I speak to people. Mm. That if I don't do that, then I, I'm not doing what I was meant to do. Mm. And that's not easy. You're not,
1: you're not serving. No, it's I'm not, not serving, right. And it your function having a, a voice and a message to share to many would you would do us all a disservice not to do that.
0: Yeah. But it's hard when people are listening and saying, Tom, it's sunny outside and the birds mm-hmm. are chirping. Mm-hmm. And I'm at the soccer game and it's, I can yeah. remember, I'll undone this story. Uh, we were on the side of a flag football. Game, yeah, talking to this family, and they said, What are you doing? So we're moving to Spokane. And I they said, Why? I said, God, well, what are you talking about? And I said, Well, we've got to rescue our kids from this toxic environment that is they're yeah. just eviscerating their faith, and we want to rescue them to a family whose kids are going to the same schools,
1: yeah,
0: on the same yeah. teams.
1: Yeah, that was a courageous, yeah. And yeah. she
0: looked at me like it's a sunny day. Are you and yeah. there's fun and enjoyment yeah. and enjoyable. Yeah. And like, are you insane? Yeah, but I have to tell you, it was the radical conviction of what we had gone through to bring us to that level of insight mm. to say, we can't just hold this to ourselves. Mm. We have to share it even with people who are like, hey, man, take a chill pill, relax. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, Well, if that's where you're at, that's where you're at. But I have yeah, to sound the alarm.
1: Yeah. And some people just don't by virtue of where they are in their spiritual development, have that sensitivity. I mean.
0: Oh, I like that. So they were spiritually less than me. Yes. uh, No, I'm teasing you. Yes, (laughs) actually. I mean,
1: not in a moral, not a better than. Yeah. But there is a spectrum. That's why we reverence the saints and they have a halo over their head in all the paintings because we implicitly respect that they are more advanced in their awareness of what matters than Mm -hmm. I am. And yeah. it, it.
0: Well, it's that sort of see something, say something right? If the Lord has given us the ability to see into situations, if we don't say something, then we're betraying
1: the sight we were given. Yeah. And you have to be, uh, but, but how it lands on where people receive it. I mean, it reminds me of an analogy I once heard about, like, as you're, as you're, let's say, growing in your own spiritual growth, you notice a deviation from truth or falsehood. Like you'd notice a hair on your hand, you kind of notice a hair on your hand, but if you're not, you know, uh, on fire for the Lord and growing at a tremendous rate, you'll let things slide all over the place Mm -hmm. as you get closer to the Lord and grow. And God becomes more and more of a priority. You notice like a hair in the mouth, you kind of stop. If you're eating your sandwich, you're like, excuse me. And then of course the end of the analogy is a hair in the eye. You will stop all you're doing. So I think a great litmus test on, on, on your closeness or how much one is devoted to God is if you cannot accommodate any falsehood or any major, Deviation from truth. It becomes urgent. It has to be handled now. And that's what I hear in your message. Like, like you, that. that came up in your family. Like, this has to be handled now. Yeah. The woman you spoke with, who knows? Maybe it was like a hair in her hand. She's like, I kind of get what you're saying, but I don't even have a sensitivity to what you're saying.
0: I like that. That's a good analogy. Yeah. A, a modern theologian said that as the number of our sins decreases, the sense of, mm. um, the sense of, suffering over the sins that remain increases.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: You know, yeah. that we want to, we we can't settle for that. No, we have to address that. It becomes
1: that. ultra painful. Even yeah. a, an unforgiving look weighs on you, your mm-hmm. conscience.
0: Nice. Yeah. Nice. Well, that's Matt Lachlan joining me today on the program. Matt, I've enjoyed this very, very much. Matt, if folks want to learn more about your coaching, how to be in touch with you uh, for a life coach and a business coach, how would they do that?
1: Yeah, my website is ML, which is for Matt Laughlin, uh, mlcda.com. And CDA is short for Coeur where I live. So mlcda.com.
0: mlcda.com. And again, Matt will be speaking at the Coeur d'Alene Collaborative. And that will be on October the 21st, beginning at six in the evening. Uh, opens for time of fellowship. I like that. Not networking, fellowship. Yeah, yeah. I like that was the way it was yeah. described. I think that's really cool because it shows that there's that common faith. Mm -hmm. And there are so many folks in the Coeur d'Alene area, and I even just like to call it the Spokane to Coeur d'Alene corridor, just that whole area. So many families have moved here.
1: Absolutely. And
0: to be able to connect with other folks in business Mm -hmm. and folks who are looking to grow their businesses, to be able to connect in a way that's also rooted in faith is a beautiful thing. So I think this Coeur d'Alene collaborative is a beautiful initiative. You can sign up for that, learn more, register. By going to core operations, C O E U Rs and core coreoperations.com. You'll see a link to the Cordelaine Collaborative again, October 21st. Doors open at six, talk by you, Matt, at seven, and then more fellowship afterwards. Matt, thanks for your time today. Wonderful to be with you.
1: Thank you.